well, Ed. Uh, that was a little hairy there for 45 minutes against Colchester. But in the end, the uh, the Reds with a, a fine attacking display in the second half. Oh, yeah. Really stuck it to League One Colchester. League One? League, league <laughs> Two? What league are they in? Yeah, ninth in League Two, Colchester. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, we do struggle against low division teams at home. I mean, one of the funniest things was, and, and, and by the way, Harry, I'm not sure it's the right word for summer. I mean, it was it was truly awful in the first half. Um, but the thing that really did make me chuckle was the fact that United scored on the counter-attack um, after being awful for 45 minutes. It's as if this is the only way we can actually score goals, even against League Two opposition. It's funny because um, there was a period early on in the game when it actually looked like they weren't going to be able to um, sit and defend deep. And then two things happened. Beat the offside trap effectively twice. Marcus Rashford won, won his first touch was really, like, really heavy. And then the second one, he had a, a right old swing at it with his left foot, I think, um, from standing on his right foot. And it, he just kind of completely missed the ball. Those, those were the, the two decentest chances. And then from about 20 minutes in... Uh, they they were olaying at twenty three minutes. <laughs> I mean, look, um, it, it's not as if at any point Colchester actually really caused United any trouble. I mean, uh, it's not quite like the Rochdale game where Rochdale actually got some good chances and in fact scored. Um, at, uh, at you know, for most of the first half, they were at less than twenty percent possession. Uh, ended the game at seventy three to twenty six and change. Uh, possession, you know, completely dominant, 26 shots to five and so on, right? So this was a super, super comfortable win, um, as you'd expect against this kind of standard opposition with a a team that was actually pretty strong. For, you know, and you, you called this one out. I mean, sure, some people got uh, a rest, but there's a, a lot of internationals in that team and Rashford and Martial playing an hour and 90 minutes, respectively, with 10 games to come before the end of January. That's, you know, it was a bold move from Oli, I guess. I guess he felt it would be, you know, folly to to not make sure this one was in the bag. But, you know, anyway, so super, super comfortable from United. All the possession, all the shots. Um, but just that, it for 45 minutes, it was that thing where we were unable to, uh, apart from a couple of occasions, really penetrate deep into the Colchester team. Um, playing an awful lot in front of them, taking pot shots from miles out. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because you look at that team and you go, OK, well, that's a stronger team in inverted commas than a lot of us were expecting. But the heart of it is was exactly what I said on last week's show. It was a Matematic mulch. You know, that that whole axis is, is so problematic. And actually, I think we might have found Andreas Pereira's level, and that is being left alone in miles of spot. although he didn't actually make any actual telling contributions he sort of looked like if he was a number 10 in league two he'd be great <laughs> you know uh, anyway poor old andreas um, oh well, he played a little deeper in this one he played in the double pivot with uh matty i mean it was a uh, it was <laughs> i mean it's the slowest possible combination of midfielders isn't it matter i mean is it like metomenade's not exactly quick but he's quicker than those three and he, he can he can move around the pitch yeah, and, uh, you know, I mean, Harry Maguire was playing in midfield for a lot of that game as well. Um, you know, lots of, I mean, you said, like, ridiculous amounts of possession. And then the counter-attack chance in the second half. And, and you know, they're right back with a perfectly reasonable uh, run up, up the field. Wasn't, like, being negligent or anything, but just that one bit of space 
was left and Matic managed to unpick the lock with a really fine long ball. Um, yeah. And Rashford did what? brilliantly. He really did. I mean, he was very composed and, and Anthony Martial was open that whole time, basically. It had just been a ball across. Very simple tapping, which actually, I think to the to the point of a lot of criticism, including Ryan Giggs in the past week of Anthony Martial, and some of it just, I think, very, very wrong-headed. Martial's movement as a number nine is very good. And in that particular circumstance, he's in exactly the right place for the whole stretch of that move. Uh, it turned out that Rashford didn't need him and Rashford's confidence, despite missing quite a few chances earlier in the game, wasn't shot by that. And that's, you know, it's a very good sign um, because there have been times, haven't there, during his career, in fact, this season, when, when that confidence hasn't looked as high. Absolutely. And I, I think that the one of the main reasons I was glad that he didn't pass it to Martial is just a lot of moves had been broken down in the box by them sticking a leg out and when it started to get overcomplicated. And there was some there was like real merit to Rashford just keeping the ball really close to himself until he worked an opening. And he did really well and he executed it really well. And, you know, Rashford cutting inside, dribbling the ball through the box and slamming it into the back of the net. That's that's what we all want to see from him and continues his absolutely stellar form of the last few months i mean what's brilliant is i was thinking because we we've done the end of decade awards thing that we recorded and that's going to be released um over the christmas period uh when we have a bit of time off but the um the thing that i was thinking about that was uh rashford is bang on for player of the season and this will be the first time that an attacking player has won player of the season since robbie van persie in 2013 really Wow. Unless you count Ander Herrera as an attacking player this no. season, he won it, which he wasn't, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and, and stunning stat, really, and uh, symptomatic of, of how much United have struggled. In fact, anyway, look at the goals tally um, all those years, just that one Mourinho season where United came second, where there was even a decent amount of goals. So, um, what, one thing I did find uh, amusing about Colchester, I love the fact when you're playing a lower division team, there's all sorts of weird body shapes in these lower teeth. There just always is. There's like, there was Lapsley, the guy who had zero neck and was about four foot tall, little ratter in midfield getting about the place. And then right next to him was Newball, absolute beast of a man, you know, just like built. I mean, that, that guy bench presses all the time. Doesn't run. Bench presses, yeah, uh, and it was right throughout the Colchester side. I, I, it's great sign. It's, it's one of them. It's the magic of the FA Cup, or in this case, <laughs> the EFL Cup. Yeah, and um, I mean, there were lots of observations from people who were at the game about the low quality of Colchester support. The kind of um, there was a Munich Jess, all that stuff that you just expect. But you know, uh, I, I when I heard when I saw the end on the telly and I saw five thousand Colchester fans, thought we're not going to hear United all night. But actually. Um, so I'm going to a game on Boxing Day, I think, probably. Um, cheers, Ollie. Um, and I went to one game against Chelsea. But it does seem like the singing section, like especially in a game like uh, the one yesterday um, or Wednesday night, m- really makes a big difference now it is where it is. Although I think they were in... They were in where the away fans normally sit for this one, which is acoustically clearly brilliant. Um, but I didn't hear the Colchester fans hardly a peep out of them apart from the Olays. No, if they weren't Colchester fans, they'd be England fans. Right. You know, low divisions and all of that. Right. Barely a thing else to say about oh, I this want, game, I wanna... really. I mean, I was, I was glad... Um, 
I was sorry, I wasn't <laughs> ending the conversation. I was just like, there weren't lots of interesting things happening. Basically, I thought Martial scored a goal. Good for him, you know, so he needs it, doesn't he? Um, coming back from injury, he looked very pleased with himself um, at getting that one. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, like, Mason Greenwood did absolutely brilliantly for the second goal that was an own goal. Um, just really, like, carved them open. That was once once we'd gone 1-0 up, and they, that, that properly killed them. And then Rash... Yeah, lo- no, lo- lovely ball across. It doesn't get the credit for that one because uh, own goals don't get an assist. That's weird. They should it? do, really. Yeah, they really, really should. Um, and then uh, Rashford, although League Cup assists, no, they're not. They're not counting. No one's counting them anywhere anyway. <laughs> um, uh, Rashford did really well to set Martial up too, and that's like the front three all setting each other up basically. Um, and and yeah, I mean Greenwood once again, definitely first team ready. We talked loads and loads about him. You know, he's finally played and not scored, but even in the game he didn't score, he effectively got an assist. Yeah, no, look, and uh, United need these numbers because, uh, I mean, Rashford's generally fit, but he played a lot of last season not fit. Clearly, we know that's the case now. Martial is not always fit. Daniel James is going to need a break because he's going to have a big dip. Just young players and and, and Rashford and Greenwood can't play every game. He just can't. You know, as high quality as he is, um, we, we would expect him to both need a rest physical and mental and have a dip in form at some point um at which point the knives on the bottom half of the internet will be out in force so you know i i'm not surprised that united as we talked about on the, the monday pod are looking for someone i would have thought a number 10 would be an absolute desperate first choice here but um uh, it looks like they're going for a number nine you know and a uh, lot of talk this week uh, still about um, Erling Haaland, um, who is uh, wanted by an awful lot of clubs, but United apparently prepared to throw a lot of money at him. And that, that might break up this dynamic. But, I mean, Marcel's just not fit enough, often enough, um, to rely on him, as brilliant as he can be. And Rashford seems to be blossoming coming in from the left rather than playing up front. You know, it just seems to be that way. I wonder if Haaland comes if you end up playing Martial on the left and play Rashford at 10 sometimes. But, you know, it seems like Solskjaer's been a little bit reluctant to experiment. But I wonder if some of that's just about personnel. Um, I, I, one, a couple of other notes... Brandon Williams just kept shooting because he'd scored that goal a few weeks ago, didn't he? And you could see he was like, oh, I like this. I like scoring goals. Also, there was one moment where like this very grown man, Colchester player, squared up to him. And the look on Brandon Williams' face, you'd almost see the calculation is like, is this fight worth it for me? Not like completely unmoved, not not a flicker of fear in his face, obviously, as you would expect from the ridiculously double-hard Brandon Williams. But he just kind of looked at him... Walked away. It's like, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fight this man, this grown man. Even though I could probably take him, he's gonna fight someone at some point, isn't he? You know, <laughs> yeah. He's uh, look. We've seen evidence of this spikiness in the uh, under 23s as well. So it's uh, it's not much of a surprise, uh, but it's great that he gets half hour half hour cameo and he's still ready to fight everyone. Um, but good, you know. I think uh, as I, I said um, in uh, a slightly different way on the uh, WhatsApp group, it's about time we had a few people who are prepared to do that. Absolutely. Um, two other notes. United's Begbie, right? <laughs> two other notes. One, um, Pereira did a bunch of stepovers and then stood on the ball and it flew backwards behind him, which was <laughs> yes. really funny. Uh, and two, less funny, um, 
Dips, who I think we're both friends with on on Twitter, keeps betting on Harry Maguire to score every week. And uh, I mean, we, we as you you said right at the beginning of the season, the price is not right. Um, but that's long since stopped being an issue because uh, she's definitely at the point where she's not making her money back now. But uh, he was millimeters away from a goal in this one, Gherkin with a fingertip save. Yes. I mean, Maguire doesn't have a good record. He just doesn't. I mean, everyone just assumes he's a big guy with a big head that he's going to score a lot of goals. He just doesn't. Scored in the World Cup. That's like, it's like much like Karol Baborski. You can't base these things on international tournament goals. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but, but like, uh, I think uh, we saw the, the better side of Harry Maguire in this one where he doesn't have to have any. Uh, a, a uh, any complicated defensive situations to deal with, and uh, he can just have the ball at his feet. Um, look, look very good, yeah. just passing the ball around from midfield. Absolutely, and there's a conversation which we will have shortly um, when we preview the Watford game about whether we play Axel Twanzebe. Um So that's all my notes from this game. Uh, except to say, I guess we should talk about the draw. Um, we get Manchester City. Uh, and then the other side of the draw is Villa against Leicester. And my main feeling about this is uh, United and City are playing each other for the right to lose to Leicester yeah. in the final. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. Although, I mean, it took a penalty shootout for Leicester to beat Everton. So, um, yeah. I mean, I saw a lot of people on Twitter going, oh, of course, you know, as if it was some kind of fix. I'm quite sure all the sponsors would like a Manchester derby in the cup final or a cup final. Um, and, yeah. Uh, that's very presumptive, guys, <laughs> that we're just going to turn over Leicester or Villa. Um, look, it's going to be great. I, I, you know, the worry is it's going to come after a really busy um, Christmas period. Uh, United have a bunch of middling ties in this period. You know, um, there is a tie against Liverpool towards the end of it, I think, and then a tie against Arsenal and a bunch of um, a sort of bunch of middle middle ranked clubs as well. But it's, there's going to be a hell of a lot of games between now and the end of, of January. Uh, and it, like you know, you have a really thin squad. And then you come out the other side of that period and uh, the Europa League kicks off again. Yeah, so our, our run now is um, Watford, Newcastle, Burnley, Arsenal, Wolves, City, Norwich City, Liverpool... Burnley, City. Right. The Wolves game's the FA Cup game. Yeah, that first one. And then we play Wolves after City in the in the in the league. So um yeah, so that that there's a lot of fixtures of congestion over Christmas because it goes on the um so basically we we play this weekend we play Watford, then the following Thursday, Boxing Day, we play Newcastle, then the Saturday we play Burnley play Arsenal on the following Wednesday, Wolves on the following Saturday, City on the following Tuesday. So it's, it's coming thick and fast. And I mean, of course, it comes well, thick and fast. Why don't they think of the podcasters? Now we've committed to recording all the time. We've got to, we've got to somehow fit pods in between all of this. No, but this is this is the whole scheme. This was the whole plan. There's only two games a week. We're going to cover all of these games, apart from the ones at Christmas time, because we're having an actual holiday, um, but only we're literally missing one live podcast and we're putting out a special in that in that gap so so we, two we, pods would, a week. We, no, we would not rip you off listeners keeping, you will get content keeping our good promise. content as well 
Um, shout out to the lad who said there's too many shows now and we're not critical enough of the players. Since we switched to two shows a week, we have uh, beaten Jose Mourinho's Tottenham Hotspur and Manchester City. Um, and uh, this this man out here wanting us to be more critical of Paul Pogba. I think the internet is doing a fine job of oh, criticising Paul Pogba. I did, Pogba. I did want to talk about this. No, I, I'm going to no. have to. I have to. I have to. <laughs> okay. Because, look, because... The, the man has been injured for a very long time. There's an awful lot of people putting out absolute bullshit. And Tom, don't believe that, right? <laughs> I think we're allowed to say that. Um, it's absolute grade A, absolute turds um, saying that he is faking it, that he was never injured, this is a conspiracy to get a transfer away. I mean, United, the actual United account, put out pictures of him with his doctor in a plaster cast. I mean, I'm glad we're in, you know, we, as in the clubs, in on the conspiracy. Right? It's, we, I mean, this is, by the way, symptomatic of a much wider, much more complicated issue. I think it's completely reasonable to assume that Paul Pogba is desperate to leave Manchester United as soon as it's humanly possible to move on with his career. But, by the way, being injured for three months is not a good look uh, when you're trying to find a new club. For Um, sure, I get that too. Especially an ankle injury, unless it's like uh, secretly in league with the Real Madrid doctors. Um, That... The problem is society. This is this is you know when they talk about racism and and now it's a football problem or a societal problem, but really it's it's a societal problem. But also football has a specific set of problems. This is just people can no longer identify the truth between the difference between the truth and the things that are the lies that are repeated often enough. The amount of people who have come to believe this with their whole hearts based on no, it, it it is absolutely the same as the re-rise of the flat earth movement like it is not (laughs) different it's coming from the same place people pointing at evidence in the most inverted commas you could ever imagine the the, the killer being he's dancing his brother's wedding Zlatan Ibrahimovic when he was just about to come back from an injury uh, put pictures of himself kickboxing and no one was like oh he's injured what's he doing kickboxing like Mm. Pogba's at the recovery the stage of his recovery where he can make a few very light dance moves then I saw somebody complaining about it being on social media it's like probably one of the happiest days of his life his brother's wedding I know I know yes there was one very prominent account said Pogba knows what he's doing here putting this out on social media and that is deep into the deep state conspiracy theory to like as if this is all part of the scheme to annoy people so much that we're gonna let him go i'm like (laughs) it was his brother's wedding Uh, i mean seriously if you are triggered by that just just don't watch just Don't get off the internet. Social... Get off like, the get internet. Get off the internet because you are spending yeah. too much time on it. And I speak as a person who spends too much time on the internet. No, so you it's do. Not... I, I mean, if you look at Paul's tweet count, he's barely been on Twitter for years. He's he's got three times as many tweets as I have. <laughs> yeah, that's too many I tweets, actually... Paul. But but no, I think you're right. You know, there's some people who who really do. They need to stop engaging. They just need to stop engaging with the internet um, because if you believe this kind of nonsense, and and you know what, folks. I know this is hard for you to believe, but you can hold more than one thought in your head at the same time, right? You can you can believe that Paul Pogba is genuinely injured, would probably like to get fit, can enjoy his brother's wedding, has a personality and would like to live a life and social media is part of that personality and might like a transfer at the same time because 
Who would like to, being a player who believes he is in the elite class of players, like to play with an elite team? And United is a very long way from being an elite team. And in bedding down in this strategy with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and, you know, believing in kids and investing in the right kind of young players and all of that, if you believe that line, we are saying it is three, four, five years before United are challenging for league titles and the Champions League. Why would Pogba waste the rest of his career if he believes he's at that peak level? But Ed, you're missing the one key piece of information, which is that he lives in England and has a cold in December. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, anyway, listen, that is enough of this talk. Um, Feel free if this conversation has upset you. Just don't even worry about it, bro. Like if you believe something very different to this, good luck to you. But anyway, I think it's time for us to take a break and then we'll preview the Watford game. Enjoy no question about that. If so, let others know about us. The best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. So, um, Nigel Pearson is the Watford manager. Earlier today, I googled Watford manager and then when it said Nigel Pearson... I was really surprised for a split second, then I remembered it happening. But it's yep. really weird. Really quite a good appointment, though, to be fair, to, to yeah. do the job that they want They want to do, they need to do now. I mean, I guess, not- look, he's an experienced manager. It's not as if he's had huge amount of success through his career. Um, but, you know, he's he's got plenty of experience at the top level, including, you know, managing Leicester for four years. So This is... This is the key thing. So it's not like he's a good manager at the top level. It's he, Leicester were in absolute free fall and he really arrested the decline and right. steered the ship to keeping them up. And then they won the league the following season, partly based on the kind of groundwork he'd built, really. And, and undoubtedly so. Undoubtedly so, yeah. Um, it was interesting when looking into his history. I, I didn't realise until you'd said that he'd... Uh, He'd been managing at Leuven in the uh, the Belgian second division. I was like, that's a really strange appointment. How did Leuven appoint Nigel Pearson? What's the rationale and thinking behind that? And, of course, they're owned by King Power, um, who also own Leicester. And I was like, ah, there's a connection. So they never actually fell out of love with Nigel Pearson. They just moved him on to their B team. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because he left Leicester and then he managed Derby in between. So there was there was like some degree of... I For think not he was, very long, by yeah, the way. Yeah, exactly. And the Leuven job, he was sacked as well by Leuven. He hasn't come straight from Leuven to Watford. He was sacked in February. Um, and yeah, so he didn't, I looked at their league results. I couldn't quite work them out because the Belgian second division seems to be weird and maybe maybe it has an aperture. The, the and a whole of the Belgian leagues are weird because they have all these weird convoluted playoff systems and stuff like that. Yeah, right. So that's why it looked like they finished first one season and then were still in the, that division the following season. That would make sense. Um, but yeah, anyway... Um, not just interesting that that they appointed him, but I thought it was really interesting that he took the job. Because even if you if you know the owners, you're still like going from the Championship, Premiership, what they call on the football ramble, the Darren Huckabee zone, where you're not you're not quite one or the other, um, to to the Belgian second tier. And it's not like Leuven are a big project that could grow to be a massive club. No, the right. It's, there's there's not a lot of upside in that unless you just really need a job. I suppose, and that that could also be true, and and uh, who knows? I mean, money will do funny things to th- people. Like uh, I don't know, 
um, European Cup winning managers taking over at Everton, for example. <laughs> That's a weird one, isn't it? Like, it's such a strange... I mean, I sort of partly think that Ancelotti is a better fit for Everton than he would have been for Arsenal, where I feel like Ancelotti needs to come into Arsenal when they're not... They they need a root and branch something. Whereas Everton, you probably... I mean, Duncan, we've seen with Duncan Ferguson, you can kind of get away with a lot of, like, passion. <laughs> and um, That's not Ancelotti. I mean, no, no, I know. But what I mean is, like, good man management, getting the best out of players yeah. will go a long way with that Everton squad. Whereas Arsenal... They need something. They need real serious help. They do. The the only thing is, I'd say, even though Arsenal uh, are not in the best of financial health because they haven't been in the Champions League very much recently, and that really has impacted them, um, they do have more headway, as in they have less or fewer players that they need to get off the wage bill. So Everton have had, for a very long time now, a very, very healthy wage bill. I think there are like 10 or something in the Premier League for total. No, no, sorry, I lied. They're at ten in Europe, right? They have one. Of the, they have this really high wage bill, um, and they've been um, prepared to spend money on players as well and transfers as well. Um, the the new owner, reasonably new owner, has backed that, and they've they've clearly spent money really badly. I mean, you know, there's a case study here of a club that's even worse run than United, perhaps. Um, so I just think Ancelotti's going in there having spent a lot with a really high wage bill, which means he doesn't have a lot of room to manoeuvre unless they get some of those really well-paid, really badly signed players off the wage bill. Yeah, but Watford, um, they're on their third manager of the year because they started the season with Gracia and then got rid of him and they they kind of, you know, they're Italian owners and it makes sense they did the Italian thing of going back to a a previous manager, but that was a a complete disaster. Um, How long did he get? Like 70 days or something like that. It, it wasn't a long time, but the results, there was not even a hint of a new manager bounce. And I'm so not still, surprised. still uh, a, a fabulously uh, good-looking fellow, though, isn't he, Kike Sanders Flores? <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, and my, I mean, Nigel Pearson has a certain kind of terrifying, rugged charm, but not for me. Um, Watford, one of the things that I, I, you know, of course, got to look up the nerd data, right? Notable that they are 10 goals behind XG, one of the biggest in the league. They've only scored nine goals in the Prem this season. And their XG, most of which is non-penalty XG, just to, for the, the real nerds out there, um, is 10 full goals higher. Um, that, that is Tom Cleverley missing from three yards out, that is. <laughs> Um, sadly, ex-Reds and summer two, 2011 legends Tom Cleverley and Danny Welbeck are both injured for this one. So we won't this is a again. shame. Yeah, no glorious reunion. Um, I, I mean, you know, it's hard to know exactly how they're going to play. Who scored's got them lined up as a 4-2-3-1 as their most likely formation? I, I was wondering whether we would see a bit of a, a Pearson 4-4-2 that he definitely did play with Leicester. Um, but they have failed to score. They failed to win 20 of their last 21 matches. They failed to score in their last three matches. Uh, they've been under 2.5 goals scored in their last three games. And uh, we are undefeated in our last six Premier League matches, plus, I think, two more cup matches on top of that. So eight eight games unbeaten. For you know what I'd do if I, I was Nigel Pearson? Narrow the pitch down, <laughs> sit deep, just wait. <laughs> Just wait, it's time. It's a game of time. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely. the only option. Yeah. So, um, And then there's Ben Foster as the, uh, the final defence. 
Boo, Ben Foster, boo, love United, hate Glazer, we love United, we hate Glazer. Ben Foster said that's why we didn't win the league. Absolute boo. He is the opposite of whatever the opposite of a top red is. That's him. He's a bottom yellow. <laughs> bottom feeder. Yeah. Anyway, um, I mean, the, the funny thing is about this Watford side is they have some good players, right? You, 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 Kapue might be on the downside of his career, but he's a decent player. Will Hughes, plenty of talent in that left foot, ginger-headed left foot of his. Decore is definitely moving on to a better a better team, definitely. You know, he is, he is a very good uh, player. And De La Feu, hot, cold, mostly cold at the moment, but, you know, he can be. Uh, and Troy Deeney, well, he's going to have a good fight with Harry Maguire. Um, so Andre Gray and uh, De La Feu are their joint top scorers, two goals each. De La Feu also has two assists, but, like, that's two goals and two assists, and it's the 19th of December as we record this, so it's not it's not strong... Not a strong look, goal scoring wise, but you know, given they've only scored literally nine goals, or imagine how do you know we complain a lot about Man United, and every time we do, I always definitely think like Man United's problems are always rich people problems. Like you know, however bad it gets at United, I remember I did a full time Devils preview of a Newcastle game once, and there was a Newcastle fan on, and uh, one of the questions was like, which club is run worse? Who are the worst owners, Mike Ashley or the Glazers? It's like. This is not even a question. Mike Ashley is a worse owner than the Glazers by an order of magnitude. You know, what we're dealing with is wasted potential, not absolute, utter, abject misery all the time. I don't know. I feel like they're from the same school. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there may be different, like, scales of things. One's running Harrods and the other Iceland, but it's it, it's still, they're like, do it as cheap as possible. Let's see what we can get away with. Extract as much money as you can for yourself. This is true, but like we are spending 90 million on Pogba and 70 million on Angel de Maria. And, you know, it's, it's like, as I said, rich people problems, Manchester United's problems tend to be. I mean, you know, there's there's the actual problem that the soul of the club's been ripped out from under it. But that's, you know, that's 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 the, the whole of professional football, essentially. So what if we can stay up? And uh, will Nigel Pearson make it to the end of the season? (laughs) Here's a question for you. Who has had the most managers in one season? That's a great question. I don't know the answer. I feel like, was there not a rule at one point that you could only have three permanent managers in a season? I have no idea. I feel like that 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 rule just rang a bell in my head. Whether probably whether should exist if it, if it doesn't, just to create some stability from the nutcases running football clubs. Yeah, they've uh, managed to accrue. Uh, oh, I, by the way, I've like how many times have I said today they've only scored nine? Oh no, they have only scored nine goals. Yeah, I thought yeah. I'd read the table wrong because they've also only got nine points, one win and six draws. Um, so I mean, they are two wins off seventeenth. You know, so we we assume they're cut adrift because they've been so we're, terribly. We're two losses off seventeenth, so you know it's, it's tight down the bottom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, genuinely, their own they're less than twenty points behind us. You know, and yeah, so so they win two games, and the teams above them lose two games, and they're they are in seventeenth. So you know, they're they're six points off Southampton in eighteenth and Villa in fifteenth. Um, Norwich in between yeah. those teams could, could be a good weekend for us, I, I suppose, in our hunt for the top four because Chelsea and Tottenham play, um, don't they? Or they place? Yeah, yeah, they do. They play on Sunday, um, and well, I guess we're hoping for a draw there and pick up a couple of points on them. Or if 
Chelsea win, then we'll be fifth and into the Europa League places. Whoop. Very exciting. I think Oof. I might have said Villa are in 15th, but they're in 17th. They've got 15 points. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the, I'm not taking this game for granted. Like genuinely, we're coming on to predictions. I am absolutely not taking... Look, we can't take any game for granted because this is not a United team that turns it on in on any kind of consistent basis. And and look, you know, I was joking and you were laughing at me as I, as I said it, but seriously, there is a way to play against United. The, the maddest thing that Watford would, could do in this game is to come out and play. They they just don't want to have the ball. Just just wait. I, I wasn't laughing at you. I was laughing at the depth of accuracy of what you were saying. <laughs> like, just to be clear, like, this is exactly what they have to do. Um, we're away from home. I... I I think, uh, like, hand on, like, saying it with your chest, predicting that United are going to batter Watford because Watford have only got nine points this season. I think you have to kind of, like, not watch United this season to think that. Oh, by the way, commentator in the game yesterday um, said, oh, United aren't creating many clear-cut chances. And you're just like, these people need to realise who we are. You know that, I don't know if you saw the viral video that did the rounds of someone saying like all commentators when they talk about Manchester United and it was just a bloke going, this is Manchester United. This is Manchester United football <laughs> club we're talking about. It's like, yeah, not not anymore it's not, you know. <laughs> no, no, but like, I mean, it may be taking them seven years to realise what we've become, uh, but it, it's taken more than 20 for Clyde Tilsley to... To forget that night in Barcelona. <laughs> so. and, and rightly so, he hasn't. And that's what we like. Rightly so. All right, so predictions, Ed? We are going to win 2-0. Um, I'm predicting a one-all draw in this oh. game. No, no. You know what? You know, United score early. This game's, this game's easy because Watford then have to come out. And and that's that is the challenge. But but of course there's no guarantee that United manages to score early or first. In fact. Watford score first and it's We're gonna be a long afternoon. I mean listen, I'm I'm saying it's a one all draw. We've got some very talented players, some of whom are in real good form. We could win this game four nil, but my actual and, and the actual prediction... team, I mean De Gea, Wambazaka, Maguire all start. Left back's an interesting choice because Ashley Young played the full game against Colchester. Luke came off, didn't he? Oh, he came he come off, off? but but oh. I didn't read anything into that because last time when he came off against Alton, I was like, oh, I reckon he's in the team, and then he absolutely yeah. wasn't. Interesting. I mean, we got three players there. I mean, looks like Shaw's at the head of the line at the moment, <laughs> but there's no reason why he's not um, very good. No, and then Lindelof will come in for Tuanzebe, but Tuanzebe's pushing hard. Of course, he's now fit and you know playing well and and looks a very confident. Young man, doesn't he? And and a very good choice. You know? I'd like to see Solskjaer go with Twanzebe in this game. I'd like him to kind of say, listen, Lindelof, your place in this team is not assured because actually that's Lindelof kind of needs a rocket, I think, maybe. I mean, I don't yeah, know him personally. Um, so. knows? I mean, um, I, I was going to say, I mean, Troy Deeney can rough up any any centre-half because he's that kind of... Um, that kind of attacker and um, and he, he turns it every game into a fight and it's his strategy, of course. But isn't and Lindelof really struggles with that kind of physical physical challenge. It's not like Tuans AB is a you know necessarily that he's not that kind of defender. He's a cultured defender, but he's he's not uncomfortable 
you know, with a high ball or a physical challenge. Well, he did really well in the championship, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's it's it's not necessarily like about the matchup for me. It's about the fact that it's about what the back four should look like and the balance. Yeah, and and you're right. I think you know, Tunzebi's pace. Um, you, you want one attacking and one covering behind. Always the nice balance, right? Rio and Ferdinand, Rio and Ferdinand, Rio and Vidic. A perfect example of that. So, you know, we'll, we'll see as the season goes on. Maybe Tunzebe will put in a real challenge there. Um, in midfield, I mean, um, for sure, Fred and McTominay, um, assuming they're both fit. Who gets number 10? I don't know. And then it's Rashford, Martial and Dan James up front and Greenwood is back on the bench. Lingard's playing number 10. That's my prediction. Probably. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back with another one of these after the game on Sunday. Uh, We'll probably release it on Monday. Um, Then we'll have a Christmas special and then back to the normal two-a-week coverage. Two-a-week. Loving it. Take care of yourselves till then. Okay. Bye now. Enjoy no question about that. If so, let others know about us. The best way to do that is leave us a review and a rating on iTunes and hit that subscribe button. Push for that.